Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. I haven't done that in a while. Just hey, how are you all doing? It's good, good talk to you. Good talk. To Wait, you. Are, are you talking to me and James? Or are you talking to the people who are listening? I usually don't ask that us one audience person out there. They know who they are. And okay, because yeah, you usually don't ask you usually don't ask James and I those questions. That's why I was a little. It was a right. Little, well, it's, uh, that's good because and, and you can continue thinking that I'm not going to because I'm asking that one person. And okay. they don't. And by the way, those, that one person knows what they did. And moreover, I just have one question for them. What about the rights of that little girl? <laughs> what the hell? It's so dark. So the hardest, we were just talking before we started recording. <laughs> Dirty Harry, kids, look it up. The, we'll get to the topic in a second, but the other two boneheads we're talking about, they've already, I'm late to the game. I just saw the Gilbert documentary called Gilbert about Gilbert Gottfried. And I laughed about the jo- the daughter joke. I could not control it. I was over here ready to roll out. <laughs> I don't know about you because I don't have a daughter, so I don't really have a game in this fight. Did you guys laugh? You have daughters. I'm going to be honest I don't with you. The joke. It's been three years. I don't remember the joke. I don't remember the lady he's talking about, but do you want, so I'm going to give the edited version for our audience. Okay. The edited version for our audience is, is this guy, this is awful. This person who's a celebrity wrote a book and her dad did some things that she you should never do and then gilbert's joke is this i can't even get mine to hold my hand across the street <laughs> see chad that was uh for your for our uh, audio listeners that was totally james snickering like that that was see, not me chad? i am appalled i couldn't stop laughing either it's an awful, awful. And then they cut to joke. his wife going, what's the one joke of his that bothers you? She goes, well, the one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> Never won. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I get asked all the time. I never get asked this question. When you end bonehead, when are you going to end bonehead? No, I really don't. Every once in a while, somebody will say it. And I often thought, well, we can't. We've got to keep going. I've got to eventually do my Ghostbusters episode. I want to talk about Ghostbusters for a full episode before we end all this. Cool. So we're done after this? Well, we can be. We've not discussed it. I'm just saying this has been something that I've wanted to do for four and a half years. Sweet. I could take it off my calendar. Click, click, click. No, calendar. Funny enough, I have to put it on James's calendar. Chad did one on his calendar. So, yeah, I've got to have it on my calendar because James and I are like Ricky Bobby. If it's not on the calendar, it just isn't going to happen. Well, I mean, I'm not going to read it. Joe, Uh, Joe, as you know, that's Anchorman. That's what I said, Ricky Bobby. As as you know, Joe, when one is dealing with one's legion of fans and just fitting everything in. You've got to really have it on the schedule. You got to have it on your schedule. Now we don't have any of those problems. We're just idiots. Yeah, no, I just don't remember what day it is. No, you just don't remember. Is it Purple Berry Day again? It is Purple Berry Day. But this is something I have wanted to do since we started the show, and we were putting it off to do it later. And then we found out there's going to be another movie, and so we wanted to make wait till the right. We've talked about this before. Wanted to wait till the movie came out, and then COVID COVID happened. And yeah, then we wait, yeah. wait another another year and a half, right? So now we're finally going to get to talk about Ghostbusters. Now, this is probably going to be a two-parter. And by that, it's definitely going to be a two-parter. When we get to Ghostbusters Afterlife, just 
letting you know there is no way for us to talk about that movie in depth and give you our our feelings without giving away spoilers gentlemen what do you think oh no 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 now will will tell you when we start to do that but up until then you're good but if you haven't seen afterlife when we get to it i as much as i want you to listen to the show i don't want to spoil anything in fact if you're a fan you haven't seen ghostbusters afterlife yet, i have no idea what you're doing 100 almost 150 million north american box office where have you been where have you been and, I, and you know just for a reference of of how i don't like to give away spoilers i don't like to have movies spoiled for myself these guys every time a trailer got released they watched it the only trailer i saw of afterlife was the very very first one and then after that, I cut myself off because I did not want anything ruined for me. That's oh, how much. I'll give them credit as much as they showed. And we'll talk about afterlife in a minute, or and we'll talk about it later. As much as they showed, James, you saw that. Did you go back and watch the trailers now, Chad? No. The trailers don't really give you what's going to kill you at the first in the beginning. Right. No. I, did, I, never God, did. I hope they didn't. They yeah, don't. No. Not a hint. That whole opening act, not a hint. That third act, one hint about one thing that you knew was going to happen. Right. And the other stuff, the what's going to make you cry, not one hint. Agreed? Right. None of it's in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Villain's not in the trailer. Yeah. But like I said, yeah, again, it was just that whole thing of there's going to be a part that I'm going to see and then I'm just going to keep waiting for it. And I'm just, I I was like, I don't want it. I don't want to know anything about it. And that was it. But yeah, so for those people who, who are like me, definitely don't listen to the part where we talk about afterlife because things are going to get spoiled but chad's right the least you know about it's better off you are if you're yeah i usually if it's a movie i'm really looking forward to i cut myself off of trailers you know what movie taught me that what green lantern (laughs) well that was going to get ruined that taught you a lot of stuff yeah yeah Uh, one of the most soul-crushing experiences i've ever had in a movie (laughs) was green lantern (laughs) <laughs> all right so let's get started though so, so we've said this several yeah, times real quick james yeah go ahead well I, I was we don't have a favorite movie but it's definitely the one movie that we all love i put my jane chad bought me this this if you're watching the youtube version behind me is the one is the one sheet theatrical poster i moved it over here it's one of my favorite it hangs above my television so i can see it at all times and then one of my favorite things is this uh eight is it 18 inch or 22 inch I think it's 18 inch, yeah. 18 inch stay puff. You can't get them anymore. Uh, Chad bought it for me for either my birthday or Christmas. I don't remember my son. It, it was your birthday. Uh, he, there's not a week or two weeks that go by that I am not criticized for not taking it out of the box and letting him play with it. Well, and that, maybe maybe he should get a job. Maybe maybe <laughs> if if they would have allowed child labor, he could afford his own. Yeah, probably. I don't know what he can do. I, I mean, not really, mouthy. because I think child labor he can't do he can't do any kind of. Well, I was to say, I think child labor only gets what a nickel a day. What are they selling for now? He, I mean, it's, uh, he, he'll be eighteen before he can afford. Inflation's a bitch. Yeah, I mean, price of dairy and whatnot. Um, now, I wanted to say though, and I love what he meant either. <laughs> I love Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um. But I did want to acknowledge that there is a long-standing history of horror comedies that predate Ghostbusters, and one that has a similar name, mm-hmm. not necessarily a similar feel, but definitely a similar name, is Ghost Breakers. Now, Ghost Breakers was a play written in 1909, but if you're familiar with it at all, you're familiar with the, let me get my year right, 1940 
Bob Hope version. You okay, Chad? No, yeah, I just I, I didn't know James was going to bring up the Bob Hope. <laughs> you you really can't talk about Ghostbusters. Uh, the, which what was the what was the nineties cartoon? What was that one called? We'll get to Ghostbusters. that. Ghostbusters. It's no, Ghostbusters. the nineties one. Oh, Extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't if you can't really digest Extreme Ghostbusters, Chad, without talking about Bob Hope. No, I'm just saying though, and, and so I wanted to bring that up though because you know, I, and I, Ghostbusters comes out, they repackage Ghostbreakers and release it. And if you've never seen Ghostbreakers, and I'll be honest with you, James, I have not. I don't think I have either. I think I've only seen scenes. Well, the the plot to it is is that you have Anthony Quinn plays this mysterious figure who calls uh, Mary Carter, who's played by uh, Paulette Goddard, and tells her she's inherited this estate but that it's haunted and bad things will happen and there's voodoo and there's curses and there's zombies and ghosts and all this stuff and she says i don't care i've inherited something i'm gonna basically go and get it and bob hope is a stowaway that gets in her trunk but decides that he's going to help her in cuba because all haunted mansions are in cuba and and basically they go to cuba and and what year was this uh, the play was written in 1909. The movie uh-huh. came out in 1940. Okay, so it was way before, you know, everything with the pot with Cuba. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I wanted to bring it up because this idea, and we've talked about this before in other ways, horror and comedy are both really close in how they work on us neurologically, right? Fear is irrational and uncontrollable laughter is irrational. I mean, that joke, as Joe pointed out, it was a good segue to this at the beginning of the show if you saw something like that happen in real life mm-hmm. you would stop it that was a horrible human being so why is it funny if somebody funny says it why is it gilbert saying it hilarious it's the same reason why i can know that a movie is fake but it can scare me or it can make me laugh and so i just wanted to do this as kind of a segue into this why is ghostbusters Ghostbusters run, uh, uh, follows this long line of horror comedies, and they seem to go in and out of fashion really quickly. And, and I would actually argue another one is the Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Yep. Yeah, should've I gone. agree. I agree. I don't should've know gone. that I go ahead. He should have gone Ghost Fever. <laughs> I, you know what, Chad? I, I, I've Ghost got of a, Mr. Chicken. That was a classic film. It's the best of the Don Nons films. Oh yeah, probably. But you know, it even ends quoted. on that, and it's more of a horror mis- or more of a comedy mystery than a horror. Yeah, but it does give us overly horrific. No, keep- no, but it does give us that scene at the end where everything's resolved. But then what starts to happen? The piano plays itself, and then we fade to black, right? And so, um, but I wanted to bring that up because I do think I-, I wanted to give a little bit of acknowledgement without going into a very long list that. Ghostbusters is probably the most sci-fi comedy horror uh, movie. It is. It has all that. But that there is this long line dating back to plays from 1909 uh, and maybe even earlier that I'm not aware of, of horror and comedy just work well together when it is balanced well. The problem is, I argue, a lot of attempts to balance that well don't balance. Ghostbusters does. Yeah, it. Oh man, it. It's almost. Bill Murray said the other day, and I totally agree with him. 
the first hour of that movie is damn near perfect. And Bill Murray doesn't really, by the way, Bill Murray probably is get somehow how he's in the cultural zeitgeist is 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 well he is incredible he's a movie star but it, he's also well known for being an asshole but chevy right. chase gets the gets the shit when bill murray kind of gets uh passed don't you all agree with that oh no no uh, i was gonna say it's ooh, but he gets a kind of a pass but, with Bob yeah but but in a lot of ways again it, bill murray is an asshole but Bill Murray's asshole-ish is also supplanted by he's it's not that level of sheer meanness that Chevy Chase is. Chevy Chase is just a but flat out asshole. Depends on Chevy, who you did you actually ask. see him working at Kane's last week? No. Which I'm not case? making this up. Look it up. I'm not making this up. Chevy Chase was at a Kane's eating or you know, taking ordered something. And he saw they were getting backed up. He went behind the counter and started shouting back orders. And to be honest, I was like, Bill Murray does that. Oh, it's oh, I can see Bill Murray somewhere. It's an incident. It's the way yeah. he lives his life. Chevy yeah. Chase does it. And yeah, it got picked up somewhere, but it didn't get near. And by the way, and, and Joe and I have talked about this before, I love Chevy Chase. I, I, I think Chevy Chase is my Bill Murray. And I know... The, the thing about both of them, though. Why can't your Bill Murray be your Bill Murray? Well, I was going to say. I Why isn't shrimp your, sorry. Why isn't lobster your, forget it. I'm, it's, a, it's a throwback <laughs> to a show called The Job. Keep I going. admire both of them. But would you want to have to be around either of them? Like if it was a requirement to be with them 72 straight hours, how do I'd you think? I'd love to do? meet them both. Oh, and, yeah. But it falls yeah. into the category of I'd like to meet Tarantino. I'd like to interview him. But if you ask me if I had to spend a night with Tarantino, would I enjoy it? I don't know that I would. And by the way, if any of them happen to see this and want to challenge us to it, we'll do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I could probably me. handle Bill. I'm maybe maybe older Bill Murray now is more of a Zen thing. I mean, it's almost it's it's how should I, it's almost like a philosophy. It's almost like a religion of this Bill Murrayisms, you know, what similar to what's happened with with Jeff Bridges and and the Big Lebowski, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was a Zen say, moment. And that's, I, and that's honestly, I, I think, I You're think in a similar about. way that is how i feel about chevy chase like if we we're just talking about what he was going on or what his views were on certain things i'd like to listen to it yeah um but yeah anyway but i say all of that to say of course we're here to talk about ghostbusters Busters. it's <laughs> well known if you're a fan of the gestalt of the series you have to of course give acknowledgement to f troop because that's where larry storch and the other guy worked what was his name um the gorilla no, no, that's Bob Burns. Uh, oh, shoot. Why am I forgetting? James, James, just give them the quick version. Forrest Tucker. Forrest Tucker, Tucker and Larry Storch. So if you don't know him, by the way, if you watched uh, movies that made us, you know the story. But Filmation in 1975 made a kid sitcom. They made several of them. Some of them sci-fi themed. About two guys and, of course, their ape, Gorilla. Sorry that um uh fought ghosts it was called ghostbusters Ghostbusters, and it was live action and if you've watched the the movies that made us you know that columbia pictures ended up paying a sizable sum because at one point what was ghostbusters going to be called 
ghost stoppers ghost smashers ghosts what the smashers the wasn't it because yeah, I was, there's I several was you can watch the clips it wasn't just smashers it was several of them but yeah and so uh the um it was a slapstick comedy like it was not taken seriously at all but it was called ghostbusters which is why when the movie came out filmation mysteriously was also working on an animated update called ghostbusters which does have a catchy theme it does and and i i you bought you bought a collection for my son for christmas last year the yeah. short collection and we had we do watch them from time to time and enjoy them and by the way i was at a place the other day and i never saw them in real life someone had the all three of the action figures oh really for sale yeah they had the gorilla and the two guys i'd never seen that have you guys ever seen them no in, like no really i've life? seen one i've seen one of them like in a case at a comic book store <laughs> yeah i'd never seen but i never i've never seen uh, that would have been great to have the gorilla and have bob burnside it would have been cool it would have been yeah that just didn't happen for us. so ghostbusters 1983 i i'm kind of curious guys because we didn't really discuss this because we never do how in depth do we go with this because i feel like a lot of our listeners or watchers or whomever know a lot about ghostbusters how much do we go oh well here eight? let's go ahead let's do it this way this is my argument on how we should do it let me ask this question Sure. Because there is this movies that made us. There's all this behind the scenes stuff. There's documentaries. There's all this. How did you discover Ghostbusters? All right. So you want each one of us to answer that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. Because it is so personal. That I mean, before we ever met each other, we were Ghostbusters. We do agree that it's one of our favorite films. But yeah. obviously, we discovered it before we ever met each other. So how did that happen? Um, I can go first. I remember in detail. Uh, so this is going to, I'll, I'll try to make it short, but I have to tell you a little story. My mom and dad were still together. And back in the day, for some of you may be too young to remember this, although our audience skews pretty old. So I'm pretty sure most of them know what I'm about to talk about. There was <laughs> they something you experienced. Do not insult the listener. <laughs> listener. They, there was something called a TV guide. Most of you now have to put on your readers to see it. So back to what I was saying, there was a TV guide. We actually subscribed to TV guys. You get it every week. I loved movies. It came out in 1984. And I remember opening it and seeing the ad, which is similar to what's behind me. It's the three gentlemen looking up to cloud saying they're coming They're You know, they're here to save the world and having to see that movie. And it always goes back to Stephen King talking about that Jerry Lewis story about seeing a piano going, I don't know what it was, but I had to get at it. And I don't know what that was. I don't know how I convinced them to take me. But it's the first movie I ever saw in theaters, which I've said on here before, was Ghostbusters. And by the way, I didn't know this till I was doing a little research on the side for this. Do you know Gil Kennan, the writer, one of the writers mm -hmm. for Afterlife? He is a, his family were refugees. They moved to America. The first movie he saw, he's only two years older than me, in theaters was what? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? It would have been actually what would have been best if you would have went now last Starfighter. Where last Starfighter. He was like, I don't give, I don't believe in ghosts. Aliens, bitch. <laughs> anyway. They want me to play these video games. <clears throat> so I remember distinctly or remember vividly that. And I remember vividly getting to go to see it at Fugit Cinema. And, and for people who know Eastern Kentucky, and it doesn't, it no longer exists. The building's still there, but the theater's been long closed for several years now. And sitting in the audience, and when I can remember the hotel scene and when Ecto-1 comes out and just the, when, the, when the music starts playing and the sirens went out, that the crowd burst into laughter. 
and I remember it vividly at that scene. And I thought this is the greatest thing of all time. All right. It so stayed with me. Um, so with me, I kind of had a backwards introduction into Ghostbusters. Uh, I actually got introduced to the animated series first. And, 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 and if you ask me, um, if you listen to the show, you know, I'm a huge cartoon nerd. I love cartoons. I, I still do. Even now I'm 40 years old. I still will watch a cartoon. Um, the real Ghostbusters may be, in my opinion, one of the best animated series of all time, if not the best animated series of all time. It holds um, up. I'll tell yes. you, I'm, I'm rewatching <clears throat> with the kid and a, yeah. a lot of them really are too intense for the kid. They are. They are really. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Sandman episode got to me when I was a kid. I remember and I can remember the parts of it that got to. Me. Oh, Miss, um, Mrs. Habersham's Attic. Uh, all of those episodes are great. Uh, the Headless Horseman one. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite ones. I actually got an animation cell from that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. I got that upstairs in my, my little dorky room, my little dork room. Um, so I got introduced to the real Ghostbusters first, <laughs> not knowing it was based on a movie. And um, this is a theme for you. Yeah. Uh, again, it was, it, I, I had, I either in, got introduced to the classics either by accident or by willfully finding them out because my family, I was probably the first movie buff in my family. Can, can I make um, an illusion that nobody's going to get? Sure. Yeah. Chad's the guy that went uh, that demanded a ransom of Moby Dick, and when they said the book or the movie, he said they made a book out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you get that illusion in what movie I'm quoting, send a dollar to. I actually me know what at, movie you're quoting. Are you going to? Are you, that? That's an all star cast that did not have an all star. Uh, what's the word? Impact. There's parts of that script that work. The problem is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. I, I mean, I watched the movie and went, hmm, there's parts that there's. Get back to Chad. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, I don't. And I still don't know what, what movie are you all talking about? Because I have to know now. Airheads. Oh, oh shit. That's Airheads. I was going to tell him afterward. Uh, anyway, oh, I was well, going to give, well, to give to away $5,000 to the person <laughs> who knew. Now that's over. Keep going. Now keep it. Keep in mind. I was six years old when I ran into the, into the, into the real Ghostbusters. So, you know, I was, uh, so anyway, was 86? Every, I kept thinking that was 87 when it came out. No, it's 86. So as oh, a kid, okay. as a six-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid, I love the real Ghostbusters. It was the highlight of my, my day getting to watch that cartoon. And with me every Friday night after school was over, my dad got home from work. He would load us up into the car and we would go to the, the, the local video store box office video and we would look for two or three movies to rent. And I was there and I was looking through my section of movies, comedy movies, um, and I found the Ghostbusters and I looked at the case and I'm like, holy shit, this looks an awful lot like the cartoon. What is this? And I, dad, my, my, my little kid self said, dad, I want to rent this. And we rented it and I watched it and I probably watched it four times in the span of the two days that we had that VHS tape and I could not get it out of my head. And from that moment on, I was a Ghostbusters kid for the rest of my life. I mean, I am still a Ghostbusters kid. And even, uh, and then when Ghostbusters 2, which we will get eventually to, when that came out, I was at the theater opening day and at Franklin Square Cinema in Frankfort, Kentucky. And was just enthralled. I didn't get to go to the theater to see Ghostbusters. I had to saw it, see it on VHS tape on a tube television, but it still had that impact. 
on, on me of this is one of the best things I've, I've ever seen and still holds to this day. Yeah. And, and same for the animated series. James, how yeah, did I, you I, get introduced to it? I, was man, it a glory I, hole as well? My, well, I'd say it's a little bit like Chad. We didn't, except we didn't have, and I'm sure my age, because I probably saw it right when it came out on, on tape. Um, but I didn't see it in theaters because we didn't go to the movies much. Um, but every blue moon when I was a kid, uh, my dad worked away from home a lot. And so if he was home, we didn't have a videotape player. But he would rent, and my mother. Yeah, and you'd rent him from the store. A, a, a player. Yeah. Um, and That's what we, we did. rented what was mm-hmm. the top of the line Betamax um, player. And we would rent like if we if we were doing that we'd rent like four movies and and Dad always picked out two and that left you got two that we could watch as kids. And my parents were really really careful what they rented us, which is why Ghostbusters really. I mean, again, I've said this before on the show. I was scared of everything as a kid, but Ghostbusters didn't have that effect on me. So we rented on Beta, and we watched it. And I remember like getting nervous in the library seat because the ghost, you knew the ghost was coming. She was right there. And usually that'd be the time when I'd be like, I'm leaving the room. I was, I was a scared little kid, but something about that movie just worked. And so even as a scared little kid, when it's like, get him or get her, get her. Uh, You know, it was, it was funny. It It was was scientific. It was. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was just, it was also the idea, and this is what's weird about me, and I don't know if it's because my father was an engineer or what it was, but as a kid, throughout really, I mean, every, all the characters that I liked in shows and movies were the scientific guys. So Egon was my go-to. Uh, Same here. Donatello in the Ninja Turtles was my go-to. Same Scott, here. Scotty in Star Trek was my, you know, so it was always the engineer. Not there. Uh, go to hell, Chad. Anyway, the point being, <laughs> the point being, is that it just, if he was good at his job, that ship would never be in as much trouble as it was in. That's all I'm saying. Well, well, maybe if Kirk didn't say, "Oh, look, it's an asteroid belt," go ahead and ram it. Anyway, the point being is that for me as a kid, it was probably the first horror-like movie that I could watch, other than The Ghost of Mr. Chicken, that didn't get to me or didn't make me like I wanted to see it, and I loved. You know, there's so much of it. And as I, as I got older, because what's funny, and I was talking to somebody else that's a parent about this, they were talking about movies that we watched as kids a lot. And so they were talking about Back to the Future. And they said, you know, I was watching Back to the Future with my kids, and I forgot all the language that was in it. And I was like, did your kids say anything that was in it? Well, no. I was like, you know why? Because I watched Ghostbusters and Back to the Future as a kid, and I wasn't worried about what they were saying. I wanted to see the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Ghostbusters had all of that. I mean, it had so much visually, and and you know the stuff that I that I now find funny about it. I would have been five, maybe six, no five probably, when I saw it. And I can just remember, like now I hear that like, well, everybody has three mortgages on their house, and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. I, that didn't mean anything to me, but I did understand. You have a wand. There's a ghost. Get it right. Yeah. And and so all of that stuff worked and i think that's one of the reasons ghostbusters like my dad loved it he laughed and my dad didn't laugh a lot so when he was laughing i was like oh it was it was everything about that movie clicked in in that time and so i can remember being a kid like the next day 
trying to draw Ghostbusters and trying to do, and especially the 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 wand, right? The the, uh, the proton packs and what came out of them, and trying to figure out how you could arc it, and then realizing it just happens to conveniently arc however it needs to in the movie, but still. Um, and so, no, that was it. That was my exposure to Ghostbusters. And then when the animated series came out, I actually remember my brother and not the real Ghostbusters, but when they did do the filmation Ghostbusters, it aired on WGN mm-hmm. out of Chicago. And it aired at, um, I believe it was 3.30. And I remember my brother was upset because we didn't get, he didn't get off the bus. He didn't get home from school until four. And he was like, I'm going to miss it. And he was really upset. And I can just remember because we loved it. He loved it too. He loved Ghostbusters. So it didn't matter that this wasn't the real ghost. It was Ghostbusters. And I can just remember like he was upset. He was uh, really, really, really upset. And my mom finally went, wait a second. What channel is it on? WGN. Well, they're central time. So if it's 3.30 there, it'll be 4.30 here. And it literally calmed the situation down completely. But I think that was another thing about it. It was, there was just something about that that very rarely does everybody in my family agree on something and i'm sure my brother wouldn't agree now uh about ghostbusters but at that time it worked on him it worked on me my dad laughed you know it, it, and and it just worked and so no that was my exposure to it and i just fell in love and i can remember when ghostbusters 2 was coming out i bought all the book club books yeah they came with stickers and bookmarks yep. and i, I never looked i've got an it. original one up there hidden from him so he won't see it because he will take the stickers out yeah yeah oh and that was it i i think if mine i'm sure mine's in a closet somewhere at the farm and it's still i you never took stickers you looked at them well this was mine mine i did take the stickers out. this isn't mine this is one i bought as an adult ass man a few years ago james off of ebay now i don't know what you're talking about it's not like you know chad and i went out and bought ghostbusters cereal or nothing uh (laughs) the box is still in there because the box was the cereal shit (laughs) Yeah, is it not as good as the original? I remember no. the original being so that was made because by it was loaded with sugar. They didn't care about her because <laughs> given <Yeah>. us diabetes, <laughs> it basically was. They in my mind, they took fruity pebbles, made them thicker somehow, coated yeah. them in sugar, and added marshmallows. Exactly. So we spent the last twenty minutes talking about how much we love Ghostbusters. I guess we should give a little history. If you're not a huge person into the historical events of how films are made. You've clearly probably watched Ghostbusters, but there's a few things that we probably should tell you. One, it was obviously written for different people than who are actually in it. Mm-hmm. It came from Dan Aykroyd. If you ever have the time to sit and listen to a few podcasts with Dan Aykroyd talking about his family and the history of mysticism and his family's dealing with mysticism, specifically his, his great-grandfather, James, correct me, or Chad, right? was also he was a dentist or a something and he was he was into mysticism the paranormal all that and it, well, just, it ran in his family and that's actually it what ran in his family that, like yeah. it was that he took what he did as, on the weekends as a family and made it into a movie is what he made said. and he and his idea for always was like one of those old uh films what is the other one it's not ghost but it's the other one with the uh with the wrestlers fighting ghosts and then something oh else. santos versus yeah i mean all those things are rolled in they just hadn't made that movie in a long time and his original idea of it wasn't quite what we got it was more like these people are pest control people it's like you have roaches you call them in. there was time he says there isn't ivan rotman says there was they argue now there's several of them or is or as i love ernie hudson's 
arguing about what the script was and wasn't different. He says, Ivan says it's not how I said I remember it differently, but we're both old men now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it doesn't, and, and by the way, we were talking about people we'd like to meet. Dan Aykroyd is oh. on my bucket oh. list by far. I mean, because I love Blues Brothers. I would love, I, I, honestly, love Dragnet. I love the Great Outdoors. Just keep uh, no, but out. I mean, literally, he could just show up, hold up a harmonica, play it for four minutes, and I'd hand somebody fifty dollars at least. I mean, I, honestly, it would be. I, oh, that's great. No, I would pay for that autograph. Is that and um, we don't we don't normally pay for those anymore. So I'd pay no, for that one. But yeah, Dan Aykroyd, and I think that's the thing. Like. That, that always comes to mind is Dan Aykroyd gets remembered as the actor in Ghostbusters and, and in all those movies, Great Outdoors and all that stuff. Nothing but trouble. So, nothing but trouble. So, with Peter Aykroyd, rest in peace. Check um, out our episode with Bill Sandell, William Sandell. Wonderful stories about nothing but trouble if you're a fan. But, and how Chevy chases a dick. And how Chevy chases a dick. And how but, the crew wanted to kill him to, to, because they love Dan so much. And nobody's ever went, well, except for Groundhog's Day. I don't think anybody's really wanted to kill Bill. Well, Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. And Drew Barrymore, more like, uh, a few months ago, was a gentleman. Look it up. Talk some shit about him, too. She was like, yeah, Lucy was in the right. Right. I know. Yeah, I saw that, too. I, I mean, but all I wanted to say is, and I think it's really interesting because to me, Dan Aykroyd doesn't get the credit as a writer. And now, admittedly, I believe it was Blues Brothers when he originally delivered the script. It was in one of the New York City. If you know anything about back in the day, kids, there were phone books. And the New York City phone book was about a ream of paper. You so mean a texting big... book? And by the way, did you say ream? Yes, I said ream of mm, paper. Can you say it one more time? Well, I'd have to run through it, Joe. Oh. Anyway, um, see, it ran through it, Joe. That's how you got kicked out of Movie Warehouse. <laughs> Story for another time, kids. Ask him at a convention. See, anyway. there was a thing they called a video store. Keep going. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I think it's the Blues Brothers. The original story is the original script for Blues Brothers. He had to carry around and deliver in a New York City phone book holder because it was just too big. It was. I mean, it was, I, I've heard up to 2,000 pages, which is not how long your screenplay should be. Well, isn't, what, isn't Ghostbusters, wasn't that the same way? Well, yeah, it that's was, it. So, so it was, it, they, it depends on which version of the story and who you're getting it from, right? So for some of them, it was huge. It depends on if you, if you listen to the Harold version, the Ivan version, or the Danny version. They call him Danny, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. So it was big. They all admit, they argue about whether there was time travel in it. Dan says there wasn't but they all agree that it would have cost 200 million dollars to make dan the stay puff marshmallow man showed up in the first act in yeah. fact that's one of the few things that survived the original and it, took, and it was in space too it did go into space but it was very much of these are garbage men handling day-to-day -day operations ivan reitman says he's the one who came up with the idea of this should be it's the 80s they're going into business together but I, I say that all of that to say that Dan Aykroyd, to me, doesn't get the credit he deserves as a screenwriter because Blues Brothers is still heavily quoted, and it's a great movie. Well, Ghostbusters, I mean... Well, I mean, you could go into Dragnet, Spies Like Us. I mean, all of them. He, Yeah, he is a great screenwriter who doesn't oh, get the credit. about Spies Like Us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, I would love to just talk to him about writing. Like, I'd love to know what his process is. Yeah. And how much medicine is involved. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I watched well, that behind or the, the movies that made us. I have questions. Yeah, I have a lot. Yeah, I, 
and he's one, he's the one person that the Pythons have said could have been a Python. Oh, no doubt. Eric, I, but Eric Idle has went on record and a couple others is saying Dan Aykroyd's the one who could have been a Python. He's the only one they've met. Yeah. Do you all just, find that? That's a hell of a, that's a hell of a compliment, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and it no, is. I mean, and now that you've said it, I completely agree that that is a perfect fit. That yeah, Dan Aykroyd could have been a Python. Yeah. He's just phenomenally talented. And then he turns around and does something. He's right like, up there with Terry Jones, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, and then he he does some turns around and gives us his uh, the character of the he plays the son in Driving Miss Daisy, and I, I mean just the, the oh, he's actually that, really good in that he is he's phenomenal and so he he can be a great actor he's a great writer that it's unfair how much talent he has yeah so he wrote this script John Belushi was originally going to be the lead in it and that didn't work out uh, Eddie Murphy was originally going to be well, in why it. didn't that work out Joe. Well, because they had a falling out and John Belushi's alive and well and hangs out in blues clubs every day. Uh, wouldn't that be a great I world? I Tarantino'd this ending. Oh, my God. If, if if that alternate reality exists, I'd love to visit it just once. I want to go to that blues club. That's what likes. Dan Aykroyd says is that, you know, he would have he would have loved the House of Blues. He would have hung out there quite a bit, you know, if he did just smoke pot, which you yeah. and I have talked about. We talked about that in a previous episode. If he did just did clean drugs and smoke pot be alive to he thinks he would have worked on the stage he would have went back to the stage yeah i mean and by the way that's somebody else that was ludicrously talented i mean yeah. just man i get sad things about it. so that didn't work out uh the movie was going to be is set up at columbia uh, ivan tells the story of him that when they budgeted it he asked for three times what he thought would strive because he and he held it and goes i don't know what do you think 30 million holding the script <laughs> right yeah it's probably close to what happened they were all red freaking hot when they couldn't get eddie murphy to be in ghostbusters they shortened they they shortened the the winston role yeah because he I, originally was going to be a military veteran he was going to have this whole well yeah and when, and when yeah and when uh, ernie Hudson read the script he read the script as it was originally he didn't know they changed it until he got onto the set and they gave all that dialogue that would have been eddie murphy too Bill Murray. Bill Murray got all. Who didn't really? Lines. Did he really use any of it though? <laughs> he, he improvised most of his lines. Well, well he got slimed because that was originally going to be Winston that got slimed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, it, it did change some stuff because. Yeah. Well, and there's a video of if you go on and look at Jason Reitman, he's interviewed by what's his name, Chad, the the MythBusters, the one with the goatee. Oh, uh, Adam. Not Adam Savage. Adam Savage, yeah. Yeah, there's Jamie yeah. Heineman and Adam Savage. Not Jamie, it was Adam. Adam yeah, I figured Jamie it wouldn't so- be Jamie Heineman. He can't interview. <laughs> no, they didn't get along. I, I find that fascinating. It, yeah, me too. Like one another, uh, which is not uh, it's not a shot. I mean, I, I, it's always funny to me how people, and I do the same thing. It's like, oh, they must love each other. It's like, do you love everybody at your work? You don't. You don't. It's work. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. Anyway, that he's interviewing for him, and he was a consultant for the movie. Did you guys know this? No. So a lot of the lines when, when during the Ghostbusters Afterlife, and this isn't giving away, were the lines about the capacitor are oh, actually yeah. are actually him asking Adam Savage on the phone about it. Why don't you just tell me how it works? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Jason Reitman saying it to him. It ended up in the screenplay. Nice. So when they're at Ghost, if you go on, there's a YouTube version, and when they're at Ghostbus Ghost Corps, right at Sony's lot. The original shooting version with all 
that the script, the, the movies are okay. They used to be called, and I'm not being sexist, they were called script girls. What they were were continuity people, and they're almost always women. And they sat there with a the script, made notes, and this is what was said, and this is if the dialogue changed, it was written down. Right, gentlemen? Yep. Script supervisor basically is a continuity person, almost always women. All right. I don't know why. It just, that's, I don't know. I don't, can't give you the history of why it's almost always women. She's writing a lot and he shows her the lines that Bill Murray just changed. And you're going through it going, oh my God, that's just iconic. And he just said it in that one take. Yeah. So if you get a chance, Google that, check it out. So there are some things that are changed, but a lot of the stuff that even is changed was there. It's just different. Gotcha. And so we, as we talk about things that change, because another big change, and it would have, made the movie feel different but i also one one again if i could jump into a parallel universe and see the, the version that could have been mm-hmm. who uh, you know the, the idea of who was going to be tully louis uh, louis uh, louis tully with john candy john yeah. candy and, and and i love john candy john candy as when i was a kid i mean camp candy the cartoon but all the john candy movies my parents would let me see for some reason they didn't let me see all of his films He's a but, fat guy movie star. That man, I was watching Planes, Train. I was watching the cut version of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is tough to do, but I was, my kid was with me, and it was Thanksgiving Day, and couldn't watch the uncut version. And I was watching it thinking, man, this guy's a fat movie star. I mean, it's so hard to find, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he just was, and he could act on top of being a fat movie star. Sorry, go ahead, James. Well, no, I was so. I mean, that was so. So much of the casting because at one point it was Eddie Murphy. It was going to be John Candy, and you do step back and go, "What would have that movie been?" Could I can't imagine it would have been better because I love Ghostbusters so much. Well, I think, but, and honestly, John Candy as Tully, it would have essentially been the same, in my opinion, with the exception of it wouldn't have been as cartoonish as Rick Moranis did it. Because because as great as, as John Candy is, it would have been more toned down, kind of subtle. That's what I think would have happened. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that he would have given that Rick. I mean, Rick Moranis, he wasn't necessarily that big of a nerd on the page. And no. Ivan says in the making of it, you know, he told him, he said, I don't think there there's not a lot here, but I think you can make something of it. And Rick Moranis says, I don't, he's stupid. Of course, Rick Moranis decided not to do Afterlife. He's one of the few that didn't come back who was still living. But I, I he did make something of it. It's a very memorable part. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. He did. I don't, I think John can't, I don't, and that's why I'm I saying, don't I don't think, think John Candy's would have been as memorable. It, it yeah. just wouldn't have improved it at all. And John wanted to do with it, with, with it. And basically, it depends on which story you listen to. Some people say it's because he wanted the two German shepherds and do it with the accent. And then someone else goes, ah, it's money. By the I way, speaking to believe money. of which, though, speaking of which, mm-hmm. it is interesting because as we talk about some of these people that we've talked about throughout the episode already, how many of them pop up in the music video? John Candy, Chevy Chase. John Candy, Chevy Chase, Danny DeVito, Peter Falk, Terry Gar, Carly Simon, Melissa Gilbert. Uh, I, I, I mean, just uh, it's Jeffrey Tambor. George <laughs> I don't think we're Wendt. allowed to talk about him anymore. George went, but I'm, I'm just saying, can you imagine? That? It's hard for me to believe they didn't realize this was going to make a billion dollars. Well, we and let's talk about that. Cast. Let's talk about that for a second. Who was the one video. person? 
who was the one person who said this movie is going to be the biggest comedy of all time? It's going to be huge. Oh, uh, it's Bill Murray. Yeah, Go back yeah. and watch the interviews. It was Bill Murray. And they talk about it. And it was always Bill. Dan talks about it was Bill. He's like, this is the best. He said, Bill looked at him and said, you've written the best comedy script of all time. It was Bill Murray who the whole time said, this is going to be huge. And they tell, and if you go back and watch Ghostbusters 2, the Oprah interview, when Oprah would back in the day do a whole show dedicated to a big movie that was coming out, they had the whole cast on Oprah. And then they always ask those cliche questions. And Oprah asks a cliche question I know hard for some people to believe. And did any of you all think that Ghostbusters is going to be huge? And they're like, yeah, Bill, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I saw some of the edited version. We all had dinner. Thanksgiving dinner at uh, some of us at Ivan's house who didn't go home for Thanksgiving and we watched and he shared us some that was cut together. It's like, Oh, this is, this is going to be the biggest thing ever. And he was the one who really didn't want to do it. He wanted to do it in regard. He the only way he would do it is because of another to do razor's edge, razor's edge, which nobody saw, which he actually shot before ghostbusters, but it came out after ghostbusters and still didn't do any business. Right which is a remake of a Somerset and it's based on a novel by Somerset Maham. I can never say his last name correctly. Anyway, not that anybody needed it. Nobody remembers the razor's edge either, but ghostbusters was huge and they made it quick. That deal was that deal. I think is like September Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the script done yet. No, they went to Martha's vineyard for two weeks. And, and that's when I believe it's, um, uh, Harold Ramis's daughter in in the movies mm-hmm. that made us, if I'm remembering correctly, said that they uh, they did imbibe and uh, or they did enjoy some medicinal assistance. Yeah, and they, they all wrote. sat there and smoked weed yeah. and wrote the script and Martha's Vineyard because that's where Dan Aykroyd had a house yeah. that he bought for him and Carrie Fisher. Have you ever heard this story? Yes, <laughs> yes. Which I actually, fascinating. And she got to the house and he bought it sight unseen. He had, oh my God, I can't remember the famous person found it for him. They bought it on Martha's Vineyard. He said, I want X, Y, and Z. He'd never seen it. He still owns it to this day. Carrie got there the night before goes, oh my, I can't. She left on the plane and left him. And the next morning he woke up and was like, this is a beautiful view. This, it just worked out. <laughs> he bought it for him and Carrie Fisher. Which by the way, I, I, apropos of nothing. But mm-hmm. actually, when Carrie Fisher passed away, some of the best interviews and best remembrances came from Dan Aykroyd as well. Yeah. If you if you go back and look at that, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. So there's a few little tidbits. Is there anything else we want to talk about when it comes to Ghostbusters? Uh, Pee Wee Herman, do you want to mention that? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we can. He was originally supposed to be the, the villain. Yeah. He's Gozer. Yeah, he's Gozer. He's going to be Gozer. That, that wouldn't have worked. No. That wouldn't have worked. Well, if he played it straight, maybe, but maybe, no. I, it's hard to imagine because that movie is so many happy accidents because that screenplay changed so much. So much of it, as far as dialogue, was changed and made up with all these great people who were improvising as they went. You had the two main writers there, right? Yeah. As yeah. the cast, that, that's something you never get. That's something no. you never get that the two main writers are there while you're working it. If you need to fix something, certain well, things were cut. It came out at a time where, go ahead, James. Well, and, and I just think about the, again, it, like you said, it's happy accidents. It's, it's everything that 
and we've said or i've said this before on the show and you, you've said some other things about it. i think the other thing that that separates it and we'll talk about the other ghostbuster movies including paul figs um yeah version but one of the things that made it work and why as i grew older it never has lost its sparkle the spark i look at it different angles than i did when i was five are you sure but but there is commentary in it. like if you want to examine what does life mean what is in this there's parts of Ghostbusters that get into that. The example that I always give is, you know, the scene when they're in the bridge in the car with uh, Winston and um, I'm losing my geek cred here. Ray? Uh, Ray, thank you. I was looking for Stance. I thought you were looking for something more obscure. I was like, sure. I was looking for Stance. Looking for, I was like, I was trying Ray to stands. go. But, but anyway, um, and, and I think that was the thing that really that that scene still sticks out to me because i mean it's a religious discussion it is a relatively for a 80s comedy movie about guys that are just trapping ghosts they go into the you know how, how do you feel about jesus never met him i mean yep. it is a it is a but he clearly believes in ghosts and catch them he believes yeah. there's an afterlife yeah but it's really what but i mean even then that doesn't to to raise defense why aren't they in heaven then? Well, he's, yeah. he's busting them, you know. He's, so I, I think that's really, and that's what I love about the movie, is that, I mean, and it's different than, and it, like I said, we'll talk about Paul Feig, but that's something that doesn't exist there. That's more of a straight comedy, and I'm not dismissing it because it works as a straight comedy, but it doesn't have that those little scenes where, and as you've said before, you don't know how that movie's going to end. Yeah, and that's one thing that's... Oh, go ahead, Joe. No, no, no. I'll, I'll talk about it in was, a second. That's the only thing just, I want to say before we move on. Well, and that's one thing that I found interesting about Ghostbusters itself is <clears throat> the the direction that it went. Because normally movies, you know, especially nowadays, if there's a villain, you get a huge chunk of the movie dedicated to the villain. And Ghostbusters spends all of what? Five minutes? with the third Go act. With, the third act only, talks about what's going to happen but that's about yeah. it and it's only gozers on the screen for all of five minutes before she he jumps into the portal and then you don't all you have is the voice gozer is barely in the movie and, and it doesn't impact the movie at all because it is all about those four individuals and how they are just doing a job yeah and it's great uh, and it, it, it if you looked at how movies are structured nowadays that probably wouldn't have that wouldn't have gotten by anybody. Wait, you're only putting the villain in for five minutes? What are you doing? No, you've got to put that into the first act. The second act, we've got to see the villain. You can't put the villain in at the very last minute. They have to get their asses kicked in the second act and look like they can't get away with it in the third. Exactly. The villain has to have a big win in the second act. That doesn't happen in Ghostbusters. Um, and it, all Ghostbusters is, it's literally guys doing a blue-collar job. Yep. So... Well, it, and there's not a huge, there's not a huge dramatic turn other than, you know, the love interest getting possessed. There's just, it, this no, is well, a perfect but, way for me to segue. I've got but, something to say, but go ahead, James. And I'll well, tell you about this thing I read also, online. Also, there's villains. Yeah. Because as a kid, Walter Peck's a villain. Yeah. I mean, he, I understand oh, yeah. now, by the way, talking about a guy who's trying to do his job. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. What are these but, crazy sons of bitches doing without licenses? Yeah, they're walking around with radiation strapped to their back. Yeah. They're, I mean, if I was a member of the EPA, I totally, like, as I got older. And I'm it like, was during the Cold War, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what sort of name is Spangler? Anyway, but anyway, um, 
Good luck with that. Sounds a little Russian. That's anyway, the line uh, from Afterlife. Good luck with that. But no, uh, but I, I say all that to say, you know, it is. I mean, and so and that I think that's another reason it works for me, Chad, is that you're right. It doesn't follow that structure. But like most things, like most people in real life, we don't fight just one villain, right? Like my day doesn't be like, okay, once I conquer Zorg the Mighty, I win. That's not how reality works. And so I think that's another reason I like yeah. Ghostbusters. Because you're dealing with not you're dealing with people not paying your bills. Yeah. You're, you know, for your services. You're dealing with uh government and bureaucracy trying to shut you down. And on top of that, you've got a, a interdimensional being who's really de- ready to dis- destroy all of Earth and reality. And the politics of it all. I mean, I love that yeah. entire <laughs> scene of if we're if we're wrong, lock us up, right? I mean. If we're wrong, nothing happens. We'll go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if we're right right. and we do stop this thing, you, Lenny, will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. And and that's a level of reality, right? I mean, I think if politics in my lifetime have taught me nothing else, is that that scene is deadly accurate. So here's what I was going to say. It's hilarious that Chad and you both got it. Chad almost nailed it. I read this review preparing. For almost this. nailed it. <laughs> almost nailed it. No, but you almost said exactly what this, this reviewer was dissecting Ghostbusters and, he, and he, did, he or she did it very succinctly. And basically it was, it's a movie of vignettes that don't really necessarily go together. Uh, the characters learn nothing. No one changes no one changes. No one learns anything. There are no character arcs in the movie. No. And it's perfect, and it shouldn't work. Right. Specifically, back to Chad, he didn't mention That, that. came off the top of my head. I didn't sit and write that out and edit it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> or girl. Could be or a girl. girl. I don't remember who said and I Because I, I couldn't find the writer, and I thought, well, God damn, that is. I was like, you're shitting on my movie. And I, by the way, when we get to Afterlife, there's a lot that we lobbed at it, and I loved it. but it's true nobody changes nobody learns anything and the fact and i think you had even better argument the villains on the scene the main villain the biggest baddest person in the universe for five minutes they build up you don't even hear the name well i guess you hear zool in the first act but you don't hear the name gozer till 60 70 minutes into the movie right i mean it it shouldn't work there's I, a yeah, damn vignette in the middle of it that just says, oh, they got popular. I was like, well, and you know, the <laughs> other, speaking of which, you know, else, something else that really works about that film is the music. I'm not it's perfect. Uh, Elmer the Bernstein. The score, score is perfect. But I would actually also say all the pop tunes work. Saving I the agree. day is cool. But you all both agree, because I don't agree, but you both said that the soundtrack for, the, for Ghostbusters 2 is better. Still agree. I, well, However, no, I, the music works better. Those songs may not no, be as good, but they work better in Ghostbusters 1. No, no, I was going to say the soundtrack for Ghostbusters 2 has star quality. You got yes. Elton John. You got Ghostbusters 1 as a soundtrack to fit the movie is better. Is better. That's what I'm saying. Saving the day, all that stuff. Yeah, no. Ghostbusters 2, though, as far as me putting it in, just listening to it, outside of Ray Parker Jr., which I have to give credit to. But no, I, I do. Uh, I love yeah. the score. That's a, a lot of the things that ha- are wrong with Ghostbusters 2 or that. But what uh, the last thing I want to put, and this is something none of the other movies get. And I want to throw Afterlife in this as well. 
uh, I've said it on here before, and I've said it to you gentlemen. I know they're going to live. I understand. But there is an actual, when you build it into the story, these gentlemen are about to sacrifice their lives mm-hmm. at the end of it. And I don't know that you get a lot of that in any of the other Ghostbusters movies because they look at each other, that, and it's great acting. And Chad, it goes back to you you're talking about characters. They don't learn anything, but those are three-dimensional characters. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, they're one-dimensionally paid by three-dimensionally great actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's I'll, I'll, let me not give them too much credit, even though it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Was not, but that that look never happens again in any Ghostbusters franchise. It's pitch perfect acting. See you on the other side, Ray. Nice working with you, Doctor Finkman. Do you see? And the smile that Dan delivers to him, and he smiles in him, and he smiles as he lights it up that they're about to die, and this is how they're going to go. And yeah. he looks at him and smiles at him. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. Completely agree. And they're about to die. And poor Winston has only been working there for a week or two. For 11.5 a year. For 11.5 a year. Worth 11.5 a year. I'm excited about this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. This job isn't worth another 11.5 a year. By the way, kids, do do an inflation calculator on that. Winston wasn't paid well. No. Um. So it, it's perfect and it blows up and they live, of course. And of course, everybody gets away and no one learns anything. And then I, it's just that first Bill Murray said that first hour and I have to agree with him. It's not that it doesn't have, but it, it's almost a perfect, it still cracks me up. There's still lines in it that make me laugh. I, no matter how many times I see it. So I guess we've talked about Ghostbusters long enough. We've probably bukkake on it quite a bit do you want to talk about the cartoon because i agree with you i don't know how i got to see that in a theater because my dad didn't go my dad wouldn't take me to movies my dad always got mad at mom if i ever so i'm curious i know how i got to see a bunch of shit in 89 they were splitting up and they just dropped me off the movies but i have no idea how i must have just aggravated the piss out of them to go i need to ask my mom i wonder if she'll even remember probably not um, yeah. she'll probably begin with her opening salvo if you're not mine they never proved they it. never proved it yeah you look like your dad <laughs> and i was che- i was cheating a lot <laughs> <laughs> um so ghostbusters is a cartoon i we probably tell you need to talk about it. it has some great writers on it chad do you want to talk about one of the one in particular oh you're talking about jms yeah yeah JMS, JMS, for those that don't know is the executor of harlan austin's estate go ahead now, J. Michael Straczynski, he was all he. There are plenty who are responsible, but he was probably the main responsible for putting for Ghostbusters, season, right? the animated series, at the height, at the level of what it did in terms of content. And at the same time, he was also responsible for what led to the decline, too. So you got to give him credit. You got to give him credit <laughs> both ways. Right. <laughs> but um, they're not, they yeah. can't all be winners, bud. Well, but uh, and if we, we want to talk about this, we can. He actually created the one episode that led to the downfall of of that animated I think series. we should. I want to, if we're going to do Ghostbusters and we're going to do a two-part, I think you should talk about that a little bit. Because I think that's one of those, if if you're out there listening to us and you and you loved Ghostbusters, a cartoon like we did. By the way, I, I, I'm with these two gentlemen here. I never missed an episode. 
I, I go out of my way to watch it whenever possible. I had the figures. I still have two or three of my original figures, and I have my original XL1. It's beat to hell. My kid calls it the dirty one that's dad's. And if you take that out of context, dirt dad's dirty one, that, then it sounds weird. But a little bit. It's it's over here and it's in the floor. I, I've held on to it all this time. No, um, yeah. So J, JMS was basically responsible for J, and I'm just going to say JMS because J Michael Straczynski gets a little exhausting saying it over again. No, he was one of the main contributors to that show, um, and you know, and one of the the one of the sad parts about the the animated series is again, Ernie Hudson was supposed to be the voice. <laughs> no, this is so sad. Of Winston, he was ready to do it. However, the producer said he didn't sound like Winston enough to do Winston. Think about that. So yeah. they gave it to Arsenio fucking Hall of all people. Now I will admit, he would Arsenio Hall played a pretty good fucking Winston. <laughs> He's a good and animated then, Winston. He really is. Yeah, um, but you know. It 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 should have gone to Ernie Hudson, but yeah, um, but it it starred you know um, Ern, uh, Arsenio Hall, Lorenzo Music, as Pete. Frank Welker, as um, Ray, as Frank Welker as Ray. I'll do yeah. it. It's easier this way. Frank Welker as Ray, Lorenzo Music as, as Peter, as Peter uh, Arsenio Hall as Winston, and Maurice Lamarche as Egon. Yes, who was a perfect cast. To, to uh for harold ramus in my opinion by well, the way do, do you know the story about that have you no, heard go, this go, trivia about it pl so, please do so maurice lamarch was trying to do egon from the movies and couldn't get it right and he, he said this before in interviews that he couldn't find the right egon voice and he was he was getting frustrated and so finally what he decided to do was not to try to do egon the character but instead, he started, he had seen, obviously, other Harold Ramis films. And so he started to do Harold Ramis from other films. Oh. <laughs> and Bill Murray heard it when he saw the cartoon. And he goes, Harold sounds like Harold. I sound like Garfield. <laughs> I sound like Garfield, though. Because for you all who don't know, Lorenzo Music, who did Peter Vinkman, did the voice of Garfield well, now, he up until he died. But uh, as I was gonna say, well, uh, but yeah, he did do Garfield till he died. But now he was eventually replaced, right, Chad? Music yeah. was replaced. Yeah, uh, Lorenzo music was replaced by Dave Coulier. Yeah, Joe's favorite from from Full House. Why and was he replaced, Chad? I don't know the reason why. I he do was know replaced. the reason. You, you want me to know, tell you? Yeah, the please reason? do. I, I remember I how I just said Bill Murray said he sounded like Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray complained. Ah, oh. and so. I'll just read this directly. Lorenzo. Because I, th I thought it was, I thought it had something to do with the JMS debacle because Dave Coulier took over right after around that time. Hmm. Lorenzo Music first supplied the voice for Peter Venkman, who was played by Bill Murray in the movies. Okay. Well, reportedly, Murray did not like his character sounding like Garfield, and the producers, based on this, replaced music with Dave Coulier. So well, allegedly they waited several seasons to do it. Well, I was gonna say, but also how I, and, and my argument there, if that is true, if that piece of trivia is true, my argument would probably also be how quickly did, I mean, how vocal was Bill Murray? Yeah. Or was it just something where he said, yeah, I sound weird in that, and well, it trickled over. And, and somebody like, got and, to use it as an excuse. 
Yeah. And I believe Dave Coulier actually didn't take over to the last season when things started to go downhill for the animated series. And by the way, we mentioned JMS, you know, JMS wrote 24 episodes of that, but however, you do have to give credit to a few other writers, by the way, there are many different writers for the real Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. You know, you can check those out, but you know, you also got to give credit to Chuck Minville, Richard Mueller and Lynn Jansen. Um, all, all four of those people wrote the bulk of what was the real Ghostbusters. Um, but no, I mean, it was just perfect. It was another one of those cases of perfect casting. All the voice acting was great. And not only was it, there was the cartoony episodes. So for example, you know, there was the episode where you had the three, uh, the three ghosts, the mom, the, the, the wife and the big baby. That's, who son- is that, that's the first episode. That, yeah, it's the first, it's one of, I that's believe the pilot be, episode, Chad. Yeah, where they kind of take over. And the um, level seven or whatever is then. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, yeah. Now I've had to watch it over and over. It's and then, you know, time. there's other ones, you know, for example, where they, where they, they suddenly have trapped all the ghosts. So they convert all of their equipment into actually capturing, capturing real criminals. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they're fighting mobsters, you know, true cartoony level. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's other ones, but then you have the serious ones. Like we mentioned, Mr. Hab- Miss Habersham's Attic. And I'm going to, I'm going to butcher some of these names because forgive me, because I didn't write them down. Um, but you have the, the boogeyman episode, which I agree with James is one of the most terrifying episodes, especially if you're a little kid at that time. Um, and some of the imagery. And then, you know, there's also the Sandman episodes. Yeah. Um, there's so many to mention. Uh, just, it was like it was mind-boggling to watch this but then of course i do want to talk about the downfall because uh one thing at the height of its popularity it got a couple of prime time episodes the studio was like holy crap this thing's a they had a halloween episode right? they had they had two halloween, yeah two halloween episodes and the, the second halloween episode is actually what killed the series um J, jms went balls to the wall on this and it was all about them fighting a gigantic kaiju of a ghost who rapped and there was there was some there were several musical numbers in it and there was just this ghost rapping in the cartoonish way possible and the ghostbusters were actually there's it involves the if you remember there was a few episodes that involved three little kids who were like junior ghostbusters yeah that was the introduction to them and it just went downhill and it was so universally panned and terrible and low ratings that the studio took back the money that they were putting into that show. Uh-huh. And not only that, they kind of pawned it off on a lower rent animation studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually, a, I have a great uh, box set uh, from time uh, that got released uh, in the late two thousands, 2009, two, wait, no, 2007. And there's a lot of great uh, documentary uh, interviews about the, the making of that show. And I wish I would have wrote down some notes for this episode. But yeah, uh, they talked one of the people from that studio said, yeah, they just gave it to us. And we we cut corners every which way we could. And that's where it, it, it devolved into. They would dedicate 10 minutes to the, the actual Ghostbusters doing a story and then only 10 and then the other 10 minutes to a a slimer episode and that's when the show went from the real ghostbusters to slimer Slimer and the real ghostbusters and the 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 last 10 minutes was basically treating slimer like he was bugs bunny yeah 
and he was basically treated he he was getting chased by some weird doctor and a couple other like animal related characters and he always got the one up on him and it was just atrocious I was oh. saying, well, and the animation style was different, but that was because they were shopping and that part of the show out was actually done by a different animation. Studio. That's why I was saying, yeah, they pawned it off on a cheaper yep. animation studio. Um, yep. And there was, and they, they talked about how they just would go in and, and, you know, the low rent places, they would get like tons of different projects to just to, to make pace to pay the bills. And that was one of them. So they just rushed through it like they did all the other ones. They didn't care about the style or substance or the artistic quality that you see in the earlier episodes. It was it was just a tragic downfall to Ghostbusters. And of course, that last season, it only lasted one more season after that JMS Halloween special. And, the, and then it was gone for good. Uh, go ahead. Have, have you heard the uh, one of the pieces of, of trivia about the show as well, which I was like, oh, I can kind of oddly see that as being an idea that an executive might say, one of the things that JMS has, has alluded to that made him leave the show was that the executives, as it went on and on, wanted to change things. And one of the things that they wanted to change, originally it started with changing Janine because she wore triangular glasses in the show. Yeah. And they said, well, those points make her look too tough. And JMS did not like that feedback. And then one of the executives continued and said, matter of fact, why don't you make her more maternal? Like she watches out for all of them. She's a very maternal figure. Wanted it to be more of a maternal figure. And I think JMS's response might have been something like, Have you ever seen the movie? <laughs> this is Janine's yeah. not exactly maternal. And that's um, one of the that's one of the things that I thought kind of went downhill is when they they basically turned her into the fifth Ghostbuster. Yeah. Which they did. And Janine's not a Ghostbuster. She's she runs she runs the company. And she's a hard ass and that's where she needs to be. She doesn't need to be the ghostbuster in order to provide that, that, yeah, that story arc. It, she doesn't, she doesn't need to be, she's not that character. And they were really forcing that in. I think, I think mostly as a tie in to sell more toys and to, oh, yeah. to target another audience. <clears throat> Speaking of the toys, they were huge, man. I had them and I loved them. I only that had the line, first three or four and I've got, that, I've, I've got the reissues. Different entire time the toy line did not die till the show died and matter of fact some people argue that if you go back and look at the paperwork they're mm -hmm. unrelated they didn't cancel the toy line because the show was ending they just happened to end at the same time because the toy line was it was starting to decline in sales well, well they kept most, repurposing yeah right and yeah, and most toys honestly go on after the cartoon's gone anyway. So, <laughs> well, and you know what's interesting about that too, though, is I was saying about this. I mean, it's the real Ghostbusters is the pebbles of animation. And what I mean by that is Flintstones had a serial, Pebbles. How many TV shows in our lifetimes have had, oh, it's a serial based on it? But when the show ends, or usually before, what happens to the serial? It's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles and all the variations that Flintstones has not had a new episode in how long? And we still a have a long that time. And so it's interesting to me that the real Ghostbusters, I mean, obviously there was Ghostbusters too, but there were tons of cartoons based on celebrities or movies that we got for a season or maybe, maybe two, right? I mean, we had a Macaulay Culkin series. We had an MC Hammer series where he had magic shoes. We had, it was not. New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. It was not uncommon for there to be, oh, this was a hit movie. We'll do a season. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we'll sign on for one season. But Ghostbusters, as Chad said, was so the real Ghost was so good it kept going. Yeah, and it affected Ghostbusters too. Yes, we yeah. all forget. Well, I don't think we all forget, but I think most people don't realize that that movie came out five years later is a lighter to me it's a more of an 80 it looks more 80s than 80 than ghostbusters yeah the music's more 80s the way it looks it's not shot by laszlo kovacs that was the first mistake bernie brillstein did not do the music that's the second mistake it looks more 80s and it's so much a lighter film and it's all because of the damn cartoon yeah, yeah. So I guess we're moving on to Ghostbusters too. No, we don't have to move no, on. No, no, Ghostbusters too, no. But I, I was just I mean, saying. I, I, I don't. I, is to... any, does anybody have anything else about the show? I mean, I loved it. I think it's one of those, uh, one of those rare occasions, maybe like Mash, maybe, where I know somebody's going to cut my throat right now for comparing Ghost, the real Ghostbusters, to Mash, the, the series. But it exists in a world upon itself. But it's also, if you love the movie, it's really easy to love the show. Yeah, because and the other thing about that cartoon because it's different, but it's kind of the same. Yeah, and and you know most cartoons at that time, if not all of them, had one purpose: to sell toys. Mm-hmm. That's all they were. New characters got added so you could sell another toy based on that cartoon character. The real Ghostbusters wasn't that. It was hey, there's this really cool movie. Let's expand it out and make an animated series on it. Granted, to make more money. But they didn't care about toys. They just cared about the the people writing it. Cared about the stories, and and, and it and shows. It wasn't it wasn't a toy tie in. It was all about expanding out these characters and their lives. Yeah. And, in my opinion, and that's what made it great. And they and differentiate and they differentiate differentiate themselves enough from the movie. But also, there's several episodes. That, there's an episode that explains why they have the new flight suits. There's yeah. an episode that explains what happens that fixes a lot. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd did it when they go to Hollywood to the, do the movie. Dan Aykroyd has a voice during that. Yeah, exactly. And it explains why. It's like, what do you, who's, who's, and when they're talking about who's playing them on the screen. And yeah, it was, what was even cooler too was, you know, there are some other episodes that explored their personal characters. You know, for example, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll mention four real quick. You talk, it shows, and most of them are family related. It goes into depth about Egon and how he became Egon with, with his relationship with his dad. Um, and then same thing with Peter, how Peter's dad is a, is a, is a horrible, horrible con man who will use his son mm-hmm. to get whatever he needs just to make a little money, you know, and, and those are really hard driven plot points for those two characters. And it's in an animated series. And then you even have Ray, who's this happy go lucky guy, but then he goes home and you see how people treated him. while he was at home and you know and then and then winston the one the one that and it's kind of odd that i picked this one um but the the baseball episode where winston is sucked into playing baseball for with the good spirits and then you have the evil demons who they're playing against and if whoever wins controls the fate of the universe and the reason winston's there is he he a he loves the, the 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 game itself he loves baseball but also he is serving a purpose and that's what winston wants to do he does that's all he wants to do is he wants to serve a purpose it's great it's it's great storytelling in a kid's episode of a cartoon about ghost playing baseball 
Yeah, they're very accessible. If you're an adult and you're thinking, I'd like to go back and watch them. I, I, I've, I tried to a few years ago, didn't have the time, other things. And I've been going back and watching a lot of them with my kid. And they're very accessible. I, yeah. I, I truly, a lot of them really hold up. Some of them, yeah. the Slimer ones, not so much. but Yeah, not the Slimer ones. ones, except for the Slimer episode where it's the demon who's, the the, the ghost who's collecting all the... the, the no, ghosts. that's good. I meant... I meant that's terrifying. End of it. Yeah, terrifying. I know. Yeah. And all I right. just, yeah, so anyway, I, I could go on and on talking about the cartoon. I, yeah, so... Ghostbusters 2, James. I just want to start Ghostbusters 2. And by the way, I like Ghostbusters too. We all as do I like do. Ghostbusters. I really too. do. That There's being said, good I thought movie we buried should start. I, I thought we should start with Ebert's review. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I don't even. I, I, should we even? It's I was talking short. about. I was gonna say talk about the build up to the movie. <laughs> it's a short. Review. Getting them all in the room. Yeah, go ahead. It's a short review. Ghostbusters two PG. Who you gonna call? Script doctors. That's who. Aside from a few spasms of ectoplasmic invention, the Titanic docks in New York, however, about 65 years too late, this sequel to the hilarious 1984 hit smells of found money. That is, nobody really wanted to do it, but nobody could say no to an assured box office bonanza. This time, the not-ready-for-slime-time players, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Uh, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson, find a veritable river of pink gook flowing under Manhattan, after Sigourney Weaver asked for their help, some odd things are happening to her baby. It turns out that the collective bad vibes of the Big Apple have made the city a magnet for restless spirits hell-bent on wreaking havoc on the human race. Sort of a replay of Scrooge's all-you-need-is-love message. Peter McNichol is very funny as an art restorer with an unfathomable accent. And Murray still gets away with his dry groucho root groucho revisited wisecracks but the first movie was funnier faster and well fresher this one's more like ghost a ghost bludgeon two stars yeah fuck roger ebert i know again that's one of those things of i know at the time you had to listen to critic people would go out and listen to critics to see what movies they should watch but I never did. I could never stand no, listening. No. Those I don't, no, I don't I care what these, these uppity, especially what Roger Ebert actually made in terms of cinematic entertainment himself. I will defend him though. At least he made something yeah. I, I, that, gives yeah. him more, that gives him more of a say than a lot of critics that their claim to fame is being critical. Right. But no, no, I, I, I wanted to read that because I think that's part of the challenge, right? Because as we've already said, Ghostbusters was lightning in a bottle. Happy accidents, things came together. And then how do you try to write a script for that? And I love, I love Vigo. Matter of fact, the actor that played Vigo, if you want to find out what a real monster is, read his history. Um, he's yeah. also in Digstown. Uh, that being said, um, but the, uh, you know, it's, I like the idea of it. And as Joe said, there's a good movie in there somewhere. I enjoy it. I still quote lines from it. I do. Nothing yeah. flies to There's me. Some though. of it is really good. Yeah. And and in all fairness, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this. If you play the Ghostbuster video game, Vigo being in that is some of the best parts of that game. So so let's talk. For years, Bill wouldn't do it. Um, and there's a great interview from 1984 where Harold is out on the what I call the campaign trail doing all the press junkets. And they ask him about, oh, you know, if this is a sequel, what, what would you do? 
uh, he goes, I don't do sequels. They shot them down, which is funny because if anybody knows Harold Ramis and a lot of he's, he comes off as the most sweet, soft spoken person, right? Yeah. And very nice. And most of the people who knew him say that's accurate and that's who he was. And he was kind of lazy and, you know, he liked to write. And he was very talented, but that's who he was. And he's like, I wouldn't do sequels. And it took years to get this made. You're like, well, that was the biggest comedy of all time in 1984. Not of 1984. It was the biggest comedy of all time. And why? Yeah, fuck you, take... Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> yeah, sad. Why does it take five years to get that sequel made? Well, apparently, some of it's money, some of it's getting everybody scheduled together. And this has been quoted many times. I guess Michael Ovitz, who was a huge agent who became the run studio later, had to get them all in a room and arrange to lunch. And then Harold said later, in an interview that there's some air that had to be cleared. Can you imagine what the air was to be cleared? I'm just asking you all. No, I can't. But at the same time, you know, uh, it has to they be got hard. percentage of the box office profits, by the way, for Ghostbusters. Yeah. To to it just this. has to be, it just has to be hard when you work on something and it turns out to be as great as it is. And everybody wants their credit for it. So that's probably one thing, I, you know, and the other thing is, is that the script wasn't quite done as quick as you think Ghostbusters was made. Ghostbusters 2 was made even quicker. Bill Murray talks about that launch, too, in some of these YouTube videos. If you go back and, and, and kind of devour and you get a piece here and a piece there and a piece here trying to put a tapestry or patchwork of the history of it. And he says that they had just an absolute if you get us all in his basically i'm I'm just kind of summing it up a summary of if you get us all in the room we're yeah yeah we're going to have a good time and it's going to bring back good memories right we enjoyed being you know enjoyed making it but if you don't get the script right and that was his problem was that the script never was quite right they started production in that movie i think in november of 88 that movie came out in june of 89 october wow. november let's double check that let me double check yeah, they, as of summer of 88, had not started shooting. That's crazy. Well, yeah, but how are you going to do that? How are you going to put a sequel together for the, even if you've got all, most of the people back, uh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get all, how are you going to get a screenplay that took years? The, yes, they had some sort of screenplay. It was still March of 88, and the movie was due out the next July, June. Uh, I'm waiting for you all to add something here. This no, I'm just saying I, it's hard to say because, I mean, you, again, if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a movie of passion, which it was for Dan Aykroyd, who spent years writing that script, and then you're like, okay, well, now we want another one. I don't have another one. And then on top of all that, you're, you're moving on to other projects. And then all these delays start happening and you don't really focus your time on it because you don't know when it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's greenlit and you got to go. Then you're kind of left in a, in a, in a pickle of, okay, what do I do here? Cause so, you just go ahead. Go, no, that's it. Go ahead. Joe magic, who was the associate producer on the first one. He was, he was a producer on the cartoon series and his producer on the sequel and afterlife has talked about, and, and just the cartoon success was so influential and it had, you know, they had to bring Slimer back. 
because people had it been five years and people have been sitting there like you i and james watching the cartoon going oh is it going to follow because i'm what 89 i am 11 years old and well, i also let, understand it go ahead no i was just gonna say also look at the promotion for ghostbusters 2 it was mostly all fucking slimer related yeah so i mean uh, you know uh, you know you had your slimer shake that yes i had to get i got several i wish that was one of those things that would bring back Granted, it was probably just a vanilla shake. <laughs> it green. was green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still wanted Hardee's. Come on. <laughs> no, seriously. So, well, got Hardee's had all. They had the box and they had the noisemaker. I had the noisemaker. Mm -hmm. and then the Oh, they had, they had several noisemakers. I had all of them at one well, point. Well, I didn't know that there were several. I just saw, I was watching a thing on YouTube the other day. Here's for you people who are watching at home, Hardee's official Ghostbuster headquarters cup, Ghostbusters 2. I went, I had my original from one from when I was a child somehow, some way. And then I went and bought a bunch of them a few years ago on eBay because I'm just that big of a nerd. By the way, I was correct. They didn't start shooting to November of 88, guys. Oh, wow. And that movie was due, now, due out the first, was it the first or second week? And that was the first week of June, right? Of 989? I think that's right. It's sometime in June yeah, because Batman came out 4th of July weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, and yeah, they had to, but yeah, they had the shoehorn Slimer in there somehow because everybody wanted Slimer from the cartoon. And even still, it was just in there for about what grand total of, of a minute. <laughs> and they still, and they used it for every, all the, all the promotional material Slimer was in it. It was just insane. Everything was every, even the toys were all slime, like here's Slimer slime for According Ghostbusters too. According to Wikipedia, I didn't know that they did test that they actually had time to do test screenings. And Ryman said upon watching the test version that the last 25 minutes of the film just died a horrible death. And he spent four days filming a new 25 minute ending to replace it. Did you guys know that? No, not there's no very there, it's according to Wikipedia, but there's very little about Ghostbusters 2 when it comes to the making of these. You guys ever notice that? It's always about Ghostbusters. It's not, and it, I find well, because Ghostbusters 2 just wasn't the iconic movie that the first one was. The, the the test screens identified the audiences like the film but felt vigo did not present a real challenge to the ghostbusters and fixture was too easy uh the audiences also thought vigo the slime and the associated ghosts were not sufficiently connected according to gross the audience was not aware that the slime in the film could be charged or negative by positive emotion so scenes were edited better explain this extensive reshoots were conducted throughout march april night 89 once again march and april reshoots think about that this movie is coming out in june that's two months away only two months before the film's release Ghostbusters 2 had been scheduled for release on July 4th, holiday weekend, but Rotman felt June, it's June 23rd, guys. I'm sorry, it would work better when they learned the superhero film Batman was being released. They asked to move to the 16th. According to Gross, Joe Magic and I were returning pale. It did not look possible as a real killer. So I want, did Ghostbusters 1 go through test audiences? I imagine, but I don't I imagine it that. did, but you know, know, because that's one thing they're talking about is, and that's the one, you know, again, the villain is so focused on Ghostbusters 2 that it's it's a large portion of the project of the film. It's not in the first one. Uh, everything that everything that was right about the first one, they did not do in the second one. I mean, it's just even though, like I said, I still am a fan of the second one. I love everything about it. It just did not follow that same model. So they tried to, do you want to know the scenes that were added? Yeah, I'm curious uh so the where they're developing the photographs and vigo bursts in the flames yeah that was actually the reshoot 
the scene where they're in the subway and the ghost heads and all that. Yeah. Night club. Yeah, it was it was also part of the reshoot. I actually like that scene. <laughs> I do too. Did you get the number? <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> it replaced and the content actually replaced some scenes and subplots that were far into completion and contained finished special effects oh my god further shooting was done in washington square which was used for the monster moving under the washington square arch huh one of the <laughs> cut scenes include a subplot in which ray stance character is possessed by vigo following his inspection of the vigo painting now that is true i didn't know that yeah, a lot of the cut footage that you find on YouTube isn't much of this. It's just the reshoot of how they come and get Peter to go to the slime where he tells them no. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The yeah, initial yeah. shot of that is they come to the apartment instead of yeah. seeing them outside. Uh, hmm. Not like it doesn't seem like that would add either one. But. Yeah, there's uh, scenes of Lewis Tully trying to capture Slimer, which found intrusive, and Slimer was reduced to two appearances. I can't believe that they actually cut Slimer in any. The uh, test audiences, man, they have all the power. I know. Well, I was say, and, and by the way, Chad, you asked a question about test audience. I have read before, now I don't know if it was an official test audience or not for Ghostbusters 1, but I have read comments from people who claim that they got to see an advanced screening of it, but the special effects weren't done. Mm -hmm. And I have read that about Ghostbusters 1, and because their comment was, even without the effects, it was a cool movie. Hmm. So, Bill Murray was right. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, the thing about Ghostbusters 2, uh, it doesn't look like Ghostbusters 1. No. It's shot by it's, a different DP. It's a lot cleaner. It's a lot cleaner. It looks more 80s to me, even though it came out in 89, mm -hmm. it looks a little more 80s um the music's not as good i don't know why they replaced the music i i've not been i don't know the reason behind that and the third thing is that third act in vigo i think Vigo's a cool character but they're that it, they just there's no fight at the end he, no he is they just coming. shoot him and then he cover they cover him with slime and the, and that's it and he kind of explodes in the painting there's no we're not we're going to die ending there's no kind of vested that this is going to not end well. This could go well, badly. Joe, if you listen to his full title, he's the Scourge of Carpathia, which is not in New York. Anyway. And he didn't have his visa, so he's going to get exported. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> what do you gentlemen think? Also, I always thought it was a little weird that they started that they hadn't been doing anything for five years. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But in my heart of hearts, I would have liked to have seen a movie pick up a few years or just a couple of years or something where the business is going. But I don't know. What do you guys well, think? But I, I think that's one of the things that I, I kind of like about. And again, not as a kid. Like when it first came out, I enjoyed it. It was Ghostbusters. God, I it was Ghostbusters. It. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm but like, as an adult going. now, I watch it and it actually makes me think. And I think it's a challenge. I think it's it, it works for me on some level. Because it's the same reason I have an issue with Die Hard Part 12. You know, wh what I'm saying is once you save the world once, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, you get called to do it again. Okay, I guess that could potentially happen. Ghostbusters 2, though, has this entire thing of, oh, you stopped the crossing. You stopped, mm -hmm. you know, and so guess what? You're out of a job. Like, you stopped it. And, and I think there's something about that that as an adult, I kind of appreciate because, you know, well, very, very few movies. And, and by the way, I'm not saying I don't like the Die Hard films or I, I could add the Indiana Jones films. Right? I don't I mean, like the Die Hard films after Die Hard 3. There, I said it. But um, 
Same here. Well, I know. I just pointless. Actually, Indiana Jones films would work just as well, right? I love those movies. I, I will even defend a little bit the Crystal Skull. That being said, is it realistic that one guy is going to find all these artifacts around the world? No, absolutely not. Absolutely, yes. But... God, I love the movies, right? And and so I think Ghostbusters 2 is one of the first films. As a matter of fact, I would almost argue it ushers in, there, there was a trend that I would argue continued on into the 2000s of, you know, what I kind of consider sad hero movies. And, and Ghostbusters 2 has that beginning. I mean, you have Ray. I love Ray. I love Dan Aykroyd. And Winston having to do kids' birthday parties. Yeah. I mean, you go from the ending of Ghostbusters where there's cheering in the street and the rabbis are excited, you know, that oh, they brought New York together. And then... And, and see, that's one of the aspects of it that I like, too, even still to this day, is the fact that the, they're not doing it anymore because, and this is one of those things you don't see in any other movie, is that they had to stop doing it because they were billed for all the damages <laughs> i know i agree in that the first one it's hilarious that oh well shit we saved the world but now we had to flip the bill for all the damage we were no sued by every deadline is city county state every any any agency city county and state of new york sued us yes yeah and that's great because you don't have that in any other thing like bringing up diehard mclean never had to pay anything for all the damages that he was causing lethal weapons same thing oh that's well, I mean, the ghostbusters and, and, those poor slubs yeah who were once again like you said they were doing blue collar jobs they're yeah, basically they were, glorified pest exterminators they were the only ones serving that providing that service if they weren't there we would be dead yeah <laughs> but no hey you well, not me i'd be serving vigo like a boss <laughs> yeah what do you what do you need my liege uh anyway <laughs> So the movie came out. We talked about this in our 89 episode. It was the biggest opening until Batman. It was the biggest opening. It had the single biggest day at 10 million up in, at an 89. The problem is, is that move that summer, and we've talked about this in our 89, was jam-packed, and it only lasted about three weeks. And it made over 200. I mean, the movie only cost 30, 40 million. Most of the money was in the back end for the stars. They signed hefty deals. But yeah. they only... And they still made over $200 million worldwide. In fact, Ghostbusters 2, I was just looking this up, made more money overseas than it did, uh, than the first one did. It actually did bigger business overseas internationally than the first Ghostbusters. But the first Ghostbusters made over $200 million in 1984 domestically. And there's just no way they were going to do that again. And Batman was a cultural phenomenon and it came out. He's right. They it's to thank God they didn't release it when they released Batman. It was coming out 4th of July weekend. You all remember it. You're old enough to know that it was everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, Batman owned MTV Prince, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the bat, bat dance video was. So what happened was, is it wasn't as huge as they wanted it to be, even though it was still great. It came out on video, did great. There was no problems. It had a, there. It's just the studio wasn't as keen on making another one. And the Bill Murray guys was not yeah. happy with the movie and trying to get him back and doing a Ghostbusters three just wasn't. And if you go back, there's a great interview I saw with Annie Potts who played Janine talking about how she would like to do this, this, and this with the character if the movies keep going. And then she stops in the interview and goes, I just don't see that happening. And that was then in 89. 
Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing, too, is, and I mean, I think as a Ghostbusters fan, man, it's, I, I have, and I know y'all love Bill Murray, and I like Bill Murray, but it was always, as the guy that wanted more, it was always the, oh, man, come on. Like, that, that one point, there was, there was a, and he did Letterman, and he talked about it, where you know, for a while they were looking at doing three and he even said on Letterman, he goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I left somewhere and he goes, I started humming the theme and he goes, I think, I think I can do it again. And he said it on Letterman and I, I was a big Letterman fan. So of course I was watching, I'm like, oh, oh, we're going to finally, we're going to, and then it fell through again. Right. And I mean, there was plot lines that leaked that, you know, he was going to be a ghost himself and that yeah. way they could slowly ease him out if he didn't want to keep doing movies and the other and, thing was that, that Dan Aykroyd wrote two scripts as Ghostbusters Hellbound, Hell, Ghostbusters Hell. Hellbent, Hellbound. Hellbound, yeah. Uh, they never really got made. They never really got the traction. He wrote, he says that he wrote one of the best scenes of all time, Bill Murray, one of the, he thinks is his best comedic scene. He wrote it for Bill and he could have shot it in half a day. Yeah. Because sometime in the, was it, would you say mid to early nineties, it was, well, they're going to do another one eventually and hand it off. That was the theme. Yeah. That's what and, Brandon and started Ben Stiller saying. was quote unquote cast already. Hey, bonehead fans. Yeah. That's the end of our part one talking about Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, the animated series. And the next one we get into the next animated series. Um, extreme ghostbusters then we get into the video game and then ghostbusters afterlife so come back for part two where we talk all things ghostbusters thanks subscribe to bonehead and share share it with everyone Uh-huh. <laughs>